everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 12, where we discuss how rail service performance is impacting the movement and export of Western Canadian grain. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Mil Proyer of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? I'm good, Greg. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. So we uh, didn't have a podcast last week for week 11. So we're going to look at both 11 and 12 this week. So far, we're seeing some good news and some mediocre news, Mel. What would you say you saw in performance from the railways in weeks 11 and 12? Well, I think, uh, you know, on the CN side, it's fair to say that uh, their performance has been very steady uh, week to week. And really, for the, for most of the grain year, I mean, going back, they had a bad week in week two for some unknown reason. But apart from that, they've largely been pretty steady. And over the last couple of weeks, it's been an upward trajectory. So they spent three or four weeks in the kind of mid-80s order fulfillment performance up to week 10. And then in week 11, we saw them get to 91% order fulfillment. In week 12, we saw that go up to 93% order fulfillment. So, you know, in this world, that's a pretty good performance in any given week. It's even better performance if you can replicate it week to week. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, why we think they've been as good as they've been uh, in a minute. CP, unfortunately, not such a good story. Uh, CP has struggled mightily uh, this year, pretty much since week five. have had some not good weeks in the, you know, they've spent a lot of time in the low 70, high 60s uh, order fulfillment kind of range over the last six or so weeks. We saw a little bit of daylight in week 10, where they got those numbers up to 85%, which I think surprised a little bit, given what we had seen in the four weeks leading up to that. But then unfortunately, in week 11 and 12, what we thought was an upward trajectory in week 10 uh, turned the corner and has been going the wrong way now for two weeks, 73% in week 11, uh, 69% in week uh, 12. So they're not going in the right direction, uh, unfortunately. So a little bit of color on that. You know, as I say, CN's been very steady. Part of that, I think, has been facilitated by the fact that their demand has been uh, pretty steady, you know, week to week to week over the last five weeks. Pretty much between 5,000, 5,600 cars a week, uh, week in and week out. To some extent, a little surprising, I think, for me, when I look at history, and particularly when I look at the 2020-21 grain year, which was, of course, the record year a couple of years ago, people were comparing what they thought the crop this year uh, would be to that year. But so far, CN's demand hasn't really uh, gotten to the levels that we saw back then. Uh, I mean, they're close, but, you know, they haven't had a week yet where they've had 6,000 card orders. We may see that yet in the coming weeks as we get into the early part of November. But but so far, uh, they're really not tracking that much ahead of what they were doing last year. And last year, you know, they were in a drought. So a little bit odd in that respect. But overall, their performance, pretty steady and even. Doesn't matter if you look at it across the provinces, if you look at it across corridors, if you look at it across shippers, pretty even, you know, not any spikes or valleys to speak of. So 
give them credit. They're, they're, uh, they're doing a good job and, and probably a better job than a lot of people thought they might, given the, uh, the warnings that they had put in their grain plan about, you know, capacity constraints. Although we may see those yet, uh, you know, November and December are coming. Those will be the toughest operating months, uh, November through February, and we'll see how they do them. CP, as I said, week 10, you know, made us hopeful. They got order fulfillment performance up to 85%, which was the best that we'd seen in five weeks by a stretch. Fortunately, they have not been able to sustain that level of performance the last two weeks. Demand remains very high for CP, uh, much higher than CM, and that's been the case for the better part of four to six weeks now. If we just look at the last two weeks, you know, CM has had demand in the 52, 5300 car range per week. CP is right around that 7,000 car number each of the last two weeks. And that's just new demand. That doesn't even count whether, you know, dragging uh, from one week to the next, which is the next thing I'll talk about. One of the issues, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but one of the issues that CP is staring right in the face right now is is their ability to recover uh, from the position they've put themselves in. So what we've been seeing, you know, which is a natural outflow of poor order fulfillment performance, generally, if you don't fill orders, you have to carry them into the next week and then try and fill them there in addition to all of the new demand that's coming at you from shipper orders in that week. So when we look at CP over the last seven weeks, which coincides, you know, uh, on point with their decline in order fulfillment, they've been carrying 1,500 or more hopper car orders from one week to the next because they can't fill them in the week the shippers have ordered them for. And that's been pretty steady. A couple of weeks ago, they had a good week, if you will, relatively speaking. They got that number under 1,000 just. 900 and some, but then in week 11, it came back to 1800. And in week 12, which we've just finished, they're at the highest number we've seen so far this year, 2200. So if you think about the fact that CP has, you know, almost 7,000 orders on the books for week 12, or sorry, for week 13, add another 2200 on top of that, because they didn't fill those orders in week 12. So the mountain just keeps getting higher. And the ability to recover for CP, you know, that window is starting to close, unfortunately, because the only way you can do it is you have to either apply more assets to the problem or you have to execute better, i.e. turn cars faster or a combination of those two things actually is probably the more realistic answer. And the only other alternative they have is to get this, you know, 2000 outstanding order monkey, if you will, off their back. And the only way they could do that is to decide consciously to take a hit in one or two weeks on their performance and say, we're going to cancel all those orders on shippers. We're going to get them off the books and we're going to focus on supplying in a timely manner the new demand that's coming at us every week. Because right now what's happening is CP is dedicating a significant percentage of their capacity each week to filling orders that they didn't fill the week before that, which means that orders in the current week aren't getting filled because those assets are going to fill orders from prior weeks. You know, it's like a game of whack-a-mole and you just never catch up. And the problem they've got now is winter is coming. Speaking personally in Alberta, we're expecting snow by the end of the week. And it's just going to get tougher from here on in because when winter comes, 
the network will slow down. That's a natural outcome of the change in weather. And, you know, if you're this far behind as you enter winter, you will not catch up. It's just, it's going to become physically impossible and shippers are going to pay the price. So it's going to be interesting to see what CP is going to do in the next couple of weeks here. Maybe they recover some of this. You know, I would never say never. I just think the probability is low. Or maybe they take a radical decision to just, you know, cancel a bunch of stuff and try and clean their order book and move forward as they head into the snow season. So we should see that, I think, between weeks 13, 14, 15. And that will tell us, I think, a lot about uh, where CP is going for the rest of the year. Yeah. And that, the, the technique of canceling orders, we like with that big outstanding order book, just wiping them off the books, we've seen that tactic used by railways before. And, and while it, it just seems so simple. The reality is, and this is why we measure week-to-week performance, those are orders that that were tied to a vessel, that were tied to a sales contract, you know. And so it's while it administratively it, it seems like the smooth thing to do, it it has a big impact on the sector to to A carry these outstanding orders and then, you know, focus on a tactic by which you just remove them from the books. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, what we won't see, uh, because we don't measure that currently, if you do that, just as you said, all of those shipments are not just shipments because they're shipments because they're tied to vessels that are coming at the Port of Vancouver or the Port of Prince Rupert or the Port of Thunder Bay, and they're sequenced for a reason. So if CP or if our railway, you know, decides to kind of cut that tail that they're dragging around, Really, what they're going to do is they're going to complicate the performance of the of the whole supply chain going forward, because now grain shippers need to reset. They still need the grain they need to meet the boats they need to meet. So now grain is going to be out of position and out of sequence. The first outcome from that is going to be extended vessel times in port, which we know is a favorite top, topic of the federal government these days. So it may help CP and it may on its surface make them look better, but it's not going to help the performance of the supply chain as a whole. Yeah, exactly. It, uh, it, it has those, those knock-on effects. And like you say, the vessels particularly, uh, such a big issue right now. And, and that's you know ultimately the driver of, of when we see these vessels sitting around. Okay, well, let's just uh, touch on uh, provincial performance. Anything catch your eye that we saw? Not much, really. I mean, CN, steady, doesn't matter which province you look at. If you look at, uh, you know, in week 11, uh, going Alberta was 98, Manitoba was 90, Saskatchewan was 88, so very consistent there. Um, In week 12, a similar picture, 98 in Alberta, 87 in Manitoba, 93 in Saskatchewan. CP, a little bit of contradictory uh, stuff there, if you will. They've been consistently better in Alberta than they have elsewhere. So in week 11 and 12, CP had 85% order fulfillment in Alberta both weeks, back to back. But in week 11 in Manitoba, they were 72. In Saskatchewan, they were 62. In week 12, they were 62 in Manitoba, 64 in Saskatchewan. So uneven, I guess, would be a good way to describe it for CP, which is the direct opposite of CN, which is CN's provincial performance is very much a mirror of what we've seen at the system level. You know, they're good across shippers, corridors, et cetera. But for CP, they've been much better 
for Alberta shippers than they have for Manitoba and Saskatchewan shippers. Vancouver and Thunder Bay are both at a system level and at a provincial level, the problematic corridors for CP. Um, they've been very inconsistent week to week. And unfortunately, those are their two biggest corridors, which account for anywhere from you know 70 to 90% of their demand in any given week. And this year in particular, Vancouver demand is very, very heavy. Just as an example, you know, we were looking at our data today as we look at the network status every day. And there's, I think, 8,500 cars under load on their way to Vancouver today. To the casual observer, that might be, eh, okay, that sounds like a lot, but don't really know. But if you watch this stuff, you know, that's probably 20, 25% or so higher than you might expect at this time of year in that one corridor. There's a bunch of reasons for that, I think. Um, and we'll talk about this, uh, I think, maybe on a different podcast. But, you know, demand obviously sets the bar and then it gets more complicated after that. But that that's a heavy volume to Vancouver. Uh, it's both railways, but predominantly CP. So when you look at the provincial performance, you wonder, well, why have they been so good uh, in Alberta compared to everywhere else? There's a few theories out there as to why that is. Some shippers believe that CP, for whatever reason, is focused on spotting as many empty hopper cars as they can each week, not necessarily uh, in a balanced way across the provinces, but just to get those numbers, which is an interesting statistic to chase if you're a railway, frankly. And if that's the case, then it kind of supports the idea of why performance might be better in Alberta, because if you look at Alberta, you know, 90 plus or more percent of traffic originated for CP in Alberta is going to the port of Vancouver. And Alberta origins are the shortest distance to the port of Vancouver, which means from a railway perspective, if you're focused on spotting as many cars as you can, you want to maximize the turns or the cycles on your hopper fleet. And the way you do that is by making those cars travel the lowest distance possible. And the lowest distance possible from the Port of Vancouver is the province of Alberta. So, you know, the numbers would suggest that that's perhaps CP is focusing on Alberta origins because it's it makes it easy and faster for them to turn their fleet. It gets their car spotting numbers up. But unfortunately, when you do that, everybody else suffers. And what we're seeing in the numbers over the last couple of weeks is that Manitoba shippers and Saskatchewan shippers are suffering most recently in week 12, you know, with average of 63% order fulfillment, which is, you know, not very good. Yeah, it's a good point, Milta. I mean, the provincial, the decisions around around performance in each province are, are something I think we can unpack. And for sure, for, I mean, for those who don't know, Milt referenced it, but the ATC publishes a, a daily report, which is essentially a snapshot of the network. And I think the way those numbers start to shift at this time of year is is interesting because we do start to see higher volumes and then it, it starts to potentially be a prelude to to bigger problems down the road. So I think we'll unpack that a little bit uh, on a future podcast. All right, Mel. Well, thanks a lot for your time today. For those of you who would like to download the reports, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye.